Getting hit? There's a podcast for that, and you're listening to it. The Save the Date Wedding Podcast, the number one podcast about all things wedding-y. Save the Date is hosted by comedian, author, and all-around wedding lover, Alicia McCormack. Oh, I do love weddings. I delight in weddings. How can you not like a wedding? Really? Let's be serious. It's fun. It's fabulous. You get to wear a damn fine frock. And uh, you get to have all your family and friends. We get to have them together having a nice time. Hopefully, you only have one wedding. Maybe you have three. I don't care. As long as you're enjoying yourself and you're planning and you're not stressed, that I am doing my job, basically. My job is hosting this wedding planning podcast. It is a delight to have you. Welcome, my wonderful people. Today, it is all about flowers. Flowers, as the Brits would say. Flowers are a big part of weddings. Now, whether you are into the flowers, maybe you are trying to decide whether you're going to have flowers at all. I mean, there are lots of flower-free weddings. I think I've spoken about them. I've had a few questions in the past Q&A episodes about trying to save money because when it comes down to it, flowers can be pretty pricey. Now, If you have downloaded my free wedding planning guide, the Save the Date Guide to Getting Hitched. Now, I just want to, I want you to listen to this. That's the book, right? I've got it in book form here. You can't see it, but here, I'm fanning the pages. Um, (laughs) The book has come out again in, um, in shops. Perhaps you've purchased it, and I say thank you very much. Perhaps you have seen it in the the shops and gone, oh, that's the girl from the podcast. Maybe you haven't. Who knows? But I am obviously giving that to you for free if you join my, I'm calling it the Save the Date Sisters. (laughs) Rich is like, I don't know about that name. I don't know. Maybe it's not the right name. Join my posse. Join my crew. That's I've always wanted to say that. Come along on the adventure with me. I send out a a little uh, newsletter once a week and uh, you can download the book that I was just fanning just then for free via a PDF format which is great because you can read it on your Kindle if you're a Kindle person an Android person you can also download it to your iPad or just just read it at work on your desktop computer do it just make it look like you're reading a very big document and your boss will go oh they're doing their work well done you so each episode of the save the date podcast i like to think is sort of like a companion episode to the chapters in the book i'm not really doing that on purpose it's just sort of happening that way so if you haven't grabbed your copy yet go to save the date podcast.com all you need to do is uh, enter your email address and your name And the special email fairies will deliver that PDF version of my book straight to your inbox. Pronto. Delightful. And of course, today, as I said, I'm talking about flowers. And I understand flowers are a bit of a contentious issue, especially if you are on a budget. Because, damn, they can be expensive. If, uh, look, you, you might have checked out our Pinterest page where I've posted a couple of images of, of our wedding. And if you, you will see there aren't a lot of flowers in our wedding. We were in a beautiful venue that had a lot of personality on its own. It had some crazy furniture and had big sort of stone walls like the Brady Bunch. If you remember that where they all go down the stairs, it's that sort of lovely stone brick. 
And we sort of thought if we filled it with flowers and flashy sort of details, it would really take away from the venue. So one point I really wanted to make today in the podcast is that don't feel pressured to fill a venue with flowers if the venue talks on its own. And I say talks, I mean really shines. If it's got a if it's got a personality and doesn't need to be overshadowed by lots of sort of small details, then don't be afraid to omit flowers completely or just have a small arrangement. We spent, and I'm not shitting you here, we spent two hundred and fifty Australian dollars on flowers. And that included my bouquet, in, included a, a, a lot of tulips that we used on each table. It also included the groomsman's button, flowery button hole things. I don't know what they I mean, I want to say boutonnieres, but apparently that's wrong. You'll hear me later. I get corrected by lovely Harriet Parry, who I'm interviewing. Uh, I interviewed at the Etsy wedding fair. She's a wonderful florist who specializes in floral crowns. So if you're interested in wearing any flowers on your head, you're going to enjoy my little mini interview with her. And actually, when I'm talking to her, you'll hear she's making a flower crown. So she sort of talks me through it while she's chatting at the same time. It's pretty funny. So when it comes to flowers... And deciding what sort of flowers and floral arrangements, if any, you would like involved in your wedding, it firstly, I believe, comes down to selecting blooms that are in season because they will be cheaper and most importantly, they'll be available. So many brides go through Pinterest and grooms. Don't want to disqualify Brooke Grooms here, but I'm, I'm going to make the guess that a lot of brides are probably more interested in floral arrangements than they're betrothed if they are marrying a bloke. Who knows? Don't want to judge. But to be honest, a lot of the Pinterest photos, images that you see in magazines are of beautiful flowers that are only available because of nature. This is what happens. This is, we live in an ecology. They're only available at certain times of the year. And more often or not, when I've spoken to florists for the podcast, they say the biggest thing that brides come up against, couples come up against, is that they approach a florist with their heart set on a certain flower that isn't available in their hemisphere at that time. So then they say, well, I want that flower. And then when you ask how much it is to order that flower, which, you know, any flower is possible to get at some stage if you've got the right amount of money. But it's ridiculous. For example, gerberas, daisies, carnations, chrysanthemums. Can you say that word? Say it with me. Chrysanthemums. I've never been able to say that word. Uh, in, in comparison to roses and orchids, are usually very reasonably priced. They, they are very easy to grow. They are very easy to source. They're a lot more common. If, for example, you are choosing irises and violets and daffodils and tulips, in spring, that's great because they are they are the flowers that are grown in mass, on mass, in in many countries. So it's a matter of being very creative, just from the get go with what you are selecting, and how much money you are willing to put forward to create your floral arrangements for your wedding day. Now, as I said, we. Rich and I chose to put our money in other places because, well, for a starters, we were on quite a strict budget and also our venue didn't really suit these sort of big, huge floral arrangements. So we collected over, I reckon, seven or eight months 
passata jars. They are the huge tomato sauce. I'm not talking about ketchup. I'm talking about sort of tomato pasta sauce jars that are maybe um, they're the long sort of tall skinny jars. And we thought we had a particular brand in Australia that we purchased that had a quite a nice little leaf detail in the glass. They were very kitsch and a bit hipster. And uh, it was worth paying the extra 50 cents for one of these jars. We cooked with them a lot. And then we kept the jars in our garage and used them on the day to put in bunches of yellow tulips. Yellow was sort of the color we accidentally came across. We had yellow polka dots in our theme. It was a very mild theme, I'll have to tell you. We were quite casual with it. But the, the tulips were fabulous. And we came across a, a local florist who was very reasonably priced, who basically said, if you pick up the flowers a couple of days before, you pop them in the fridge and uh, you can create your own floral arrangements with these jars on the morning of the wedding, which we thought was great because it wasn't arranging anything. We, we realized there were sort of five or six stems of the tulips in each jar and we would simply use them in on the tables, on long tables, along the runners and they were very simple and minimalistic and that's all we desired. I was quite happy to take on that task and to be honest I didn't even do it. We handed it to our lovely friend Jane and she did it with and, and, and cut them and put them in and they were done before we even knew it. And it wasn't like we were arranging the flowers ourselves. The florist arranged my bouquet and I chose some Australian native flowers. And the beautiful thing about the natives are they are really, really tough. They are beautiful. They last for a long time. And honestly, I could have kept it out of the fridge for two days and it would have looked just as fabulous as it did on the day of our wedding. So we really chose flowers and an arrangement that suited the style of our venue, absolutely reflected well, I think, on the dress that I wore with the bouquet. And also, they weren't fussy. They weren't over the top. They weren't flowers that were going to fall apart after two minutes. They were really versatile and, uh, and, and strong. And that suited our venue really well. Now, if you are having a very beautiful country wedding, perhaps in, in England, or you maybe you're going to, uh, I don't know, Connecticut, somewhere really sort of nice and rustic and gorgeous, you are going to have a very different floral selection than someone who is getting married in Mexico. I don't know, somewhere on the beach, perhaps. Depending on your location, it will also change what flower needs you have. Now, if you are looking at ways to obviously save money, one of the first things, and I, in the first edition of my book, I went to town saying, hey, you should get up early and you should go to a flower market and blah, 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 blah. Now, I still think that is an excellent idea. And if you have the time or you have friends and family that would see that as an adventure, I say, bloody go for it. If you go a couple of days before the wedding and buy and get some advice, most importantly, and buy flowers that aren't going to bloom too quickly, it could be a good option for you. It's an exciting time. If, you, if you've ever been to a flower market at five o'clock in the morning, firstly, it's really early and you really need a coffee if you're me. But secondly, it is really exciting and wonderful to see one of these flower markets, the same with fruit and vegetable markets. In business, this is where all of the business is done. Before we are even out of bed, before the alarm goes off, they have done most of their business. So I can just say, 
as in any sort of situation when it comes to produce and knowing where all of our um, food comes from and flowers that you see being sold in florists, that's where they all originate and that's where florists get up early and trudge around happily, I'm sure, because it's their business, (laughs) and choose the flowers that are going to go into your flower arrangements. So I used to say, hey, that's a really good way to save money. I'm still standing by that, but also I really think in hindsight, and we didn't do this, as I said, we went to a florist, but in hindsight, I think you need to really choose your battles when it comes to saving money and feeling how it is in comparison to your time. Meaning if you have friends and family flying in two, three days before the wedding, and of course you wouldn't want to be buying flowers any further back than two days, is it worth you getting up at the crack of dawn two days before your wedding or sending someone maybe to do it for you and being tired and grumpy and having a bit of a stress about it just to save a couple of bucks? I really believe that there are other options available to you, such as finding local florists, as as we did, negotiating, and also cutting back on what you need. What What is it that when you close your eyes and you imagine your wedding, is it filled with flowers and blooms? Is it sort of subtle? Perhaps you've just got a very simple bouquet. Perhaps you are wearing a floral crown. Who knows? But when you think about it, weigh up what's important in in the way of uh, looking at the surroundings of where you're getting married and also, most importantly, about your budget. So one of the questions I get asked quite often is how much budget should you be allocating to flowers? Again, it's an absolutely personal decision. You might just sort of say, I'm going to have a bouquet and my bridesmaids are going to have nice little corsages or something like that. And that is it. No more flowers. Your budget's clearly going to be a lot less than someone who wants huge floral arrangements on the center of each tables. Perhaps they want to have flowers in the church or along an aisle. These are all options that can really blow out your budget if you aren't careful. As you'll hear very shortly in my first interview, I'm going to bring you with a lovely florist called Sarah, and she is, oh, she's just wonderful, can I just say. But one piece of advice she does give is really thinking about your budget before you approach a florist and say, I want this, I want that, I want it's going to be amazing, it's going to be huge, I want flowers coming off the ceiling, I want a big sort of gorgeous floral arrangement behind, I want a big arch of flowers. Now, think about it, because they're not miracle makers, florists. They're very clever, but you're going to get charged, you know, exactly what it's worth because flowers uh, not only are expensive to purchase, they're expensive for people to maneuver and, and create. It's art. They're creating these sort of wonderful designs. It takes time, energy, and money. So be realistic in what you are requesting because if you do want, I mean, Honestly, I mentioned this again. I really want to stop giving Kim Kim and Kanye bloody more publicity because they probably don't really need it. But I read that their floral wall, their wall of flowers at their wedding, cost $75,000. Now, I don't know if, if you're on the same wavelength as me. I think you might be because you've continued to listen to me talking about weddings. It's it's an incredible amount of money to spend when I feel like you could probably donate that $75,000 to some sort of hospital or cancer unit or kids charity and maybe just tone it the fuck down. I'm sure as a pair, 
they're high high on the philanthropist list. Maybe they give a lot of money to charities. I hope they do. But to be honest, if you've got that sort of money, perhaps you just maybe put it somewhere else and not in a wall of flowers that no one will ever use again. That is my rant. I promise it's over now. Shall we head to my first interview? This is a wonderful interview, if I do say so myself. I met uh, the lovely Sarah Williams. She runs a, she's a florist. She runs a business called The Flower Bird. And what I love about Sarah's work and what she does is that she doesn't necessarily focus just on blooms and flowers. She uses a lot of greenery in her work, which I think is really effective and very creative. It's a different perspective on wedding flowers and uh, it's art. It really is. And she's a very wise lady, has a lot of great tips for you right now to take on board, especially when you are deciding how much money to spend on flowers and also how to speak with a florist, how to get that connection going to make sure you're on the same page and that you get the flowers you want for the money you want. Here it is. Sarah, tell me what's your business and what do you do? I'm a florist and I do mainly weddings and events. Now I'm going to just, Sarah's beautiful uh, exhibit here, there ain't no just jars of flowers. This is art. I'm seeing some amazing, lots of greenery, lots of I want to say shrubbery, but that's the wrong... Shrubbery. It's not giving it a, right, a nice thing. No, it's not shrubbery. It's not shrubbery, you idiot. What, do I, what am I seeing? Foliage. Foliage. Yes. Oh, I love the British. It's not shrubbery, it's foliage. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I love foliage because you get so many different textures and um, even shades of green that people don't imagine. So you can get silvers and bright greens and it gives a lovely lush look. Is it cheaper? Is it more expensive? How does it run in the spectrum of going, you know, the traditional thing, let's fill a room with flowers, which I think is personally a bit of a waste of time and money. Yeah, I agree. I think it's not necessarily a lot cheaper because foliage, (laughs) as we call it, isn't necessarily a cheap option. But yes, if you wanted to stick a load of roses or peonies, it's certainly a cheaper option. Yeah, and more tasteful, I think. I think it can be a bit brash to have just loads and loads and loads of flowers. Yeah, I always wonder where they will go at the end of the day. They, there is a charity Tell me. called Floral Angels who are based at Covent Garden at the, at the flower market who, when we've done a wedding and the bride hasn't taken her flowers, we give the flowers to Floral Angels and then they re-do them in little jars or bunches and they take them to hospices. That is a wonderful, wonderful idea. Yeah. And so we don't waste anything. It all, and it goes to the families, the nurses... And they love it. Sarah, I'm going to look that up and plug that on the podcast because I think I'm sure there are similar uh, associations all over the world, but that is a bloody great idea. Yeah, yeah. And it, it just takes, you know, sometimes it can be quite wasteful floristry. Oh, totally. Yeah. So this takes all that guilt away from us and gives someone pleasure. Well, that's good. Well, that's one big tick there. <laughs> Let's talk about the art and the craft of, of, of floristry. So a lot of people, I think, underestimate the skills that go into doing what you do. Yeah, I mean, I think that people just think we arrange flowers. And sometimes you say, oh, you're a flower arranger. And you think, well, no, I like to think I'm a little more than that. Um, I think working with the right materials helps. So you, if you choose the right flowers and foliage, you can't really go wrong. But yes, it's having a vision. And a lot of it is about the space, where your work's going to be, the light. Um, there's a lot of thought that goes into it that you don't, you wouldn't imagine. 
So when a client comes to you, do you prefer to go and see the space that they're going? Always. I definitely prefer to see the space. Yeah. Because it just can change your whole idea of what you're going to do. I mean, you meet a bride or, and a groom. I don't want to discount the grooms. And they come to you and they go, I just want a whole room of, I don't know, roses or something. Is there a moment you go, no, this is wrong? How do you approach that? I usually say, what's your budget? Yes, good, <laughs> good first question. Because sometimes they just think they can have everything for nothing. So I usually say, what is your budget? And I will work to that. I wouldn't ever rip anyone off, but I will just be realistic. And then I'm not wasting time coming up with quotes. And they come back to me and say, oh, we've only got £500. You know, that's a lot of money, but it's not going to cover a room full of roses. And how about when you sort of get a vibe from them that they're probably barking up the wrong tree? Hey, that's a foliage joke there. Oh, Jesus. When when they're maybe not, maybe going in the right direction style-wise that you think they could be doing? Yeah, I mean, I I can get a feeling quite quickly of what would suit them, I think. Um, and I will just show them images um, and just say, look, have you thought about this colour-wise or style-wise? You know, just think about the photographs, think about looking at the photographs in 10 years' time. And usually they take it on board. Honesty is the biggest policy, isn't it? Definitely, because if they if, if they have the flowers and then they don't suit them, then they're just disappointed and they don't look great. The flowers should be working with the couple, not against them. Sometimes see these pictures of, of big tables with these huge floral centrepieces where no one can see each other on the other side, and it makes me angry. I mean, they're artistic, but is it practical? No, it's not. <laughs> no. I mean, you can do quite nice tall arrangements that are in very slender glass vases, but yeah, I'm very conscious when people say tall to... Rain it in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Tips for people when they are approaching flowers for their wedding, yeah. where would we begin? What are your biggest points to make for couples when they're first doing the negotiating and finding that perfect florist? Budget is really important and we normally, I would say normally about 10% of their whole budget is what they probably should allocate towards the florist, the the flowers. That's a lot more than I thought so that's a really good tip. Yeah, I think it's really important that you like the florist because there's going to be quite a lot of toing and froing and you have to really trust them. Be nice to the florist. Yes, (laughs) be nice to all your wedding vendors. And don't expect, you know... as a florist, we, we put a lot of our heart into our work. Just respect that, I would say. <laughs> well said, well said. And what do you think about, I mean, I'm always sort of reading about budget stuff, and I'm all for saving a buck, but I think you need to save the buck in the right place. Yeah. Um, I think people are surprised that uh, they don't need as much as they think they're going to need. It doesn't take much to bring something to life. And I would always say to, if they're getting married in the church, reuse the flowers in the reception. So that's a good way of saving money. So if they've got an urn by the um, altar, take that to the reception. PUNs can be tied onto chairs when they get to the reception. All sorts of ways of just reusing the flowers, basically. And also, how about a message to the people that go, I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. on wedding day, I'm going to go to the flower market? Don't. <laughs> um, I had a bright, well, a girl the other day that asked me to do personal flowers. She was going to do all the table flowers herself. And then she started saying, but where am I going to keep them? How am I going to get them? How do I how do I know where to buy them from? And I said, that's why people use florists. That's your job. Yeah. Yeah, good point. So, look, reconsider. Use a proper person. Set a realistic budget. Yeah. yeah. Get it happening. Yeah. Foliage. Um, look for recommendations as well. I think that's quite important to 
talk to people that have used that florist before because you never know. Is there, with floristry accreditation, I know because my podcast goes out all over the world, so I suppose it's different in each country. Is there anything people should look for when they're choosing? I've done a Cities and Guilds course in this country, which I think is very well respected in the florist in the floristry world. That that's I would say the gold standard in in this country. I don't know about it, but you know some florists learn on the job, so they do apprenticeships. So, and I think that is just as important. But yes, I think it's important to know where the florist has worked before and how long they've been doing it for. And I love your comment. Just uh, you got to have a connection with them, get along with them. Yes, I think that's really, really important. Yeah. Now, finally, can I have a little plug? Where do we find you? <laughs> um, well, my name is the Flowerbird, and um, it's gorgeous. Thank you. And I'm on Instagram at the Flowerbird and Facebook and Twitter, theflower-bird.co.uk. Gorgeous. And Sarah Williams is your name. And I will follow you on all the various accounts. And then you can find her through me too. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for your time. (laughs) Thank you very much. Foliage. (laughs) She was so fun. And I loved her advice about, well, not I I, I hate using the word negotiating because I think it comes into this idea of that you're going in there to, to screw someone out of something. But the idea that you are on the same page. As in, you should be on the same page with all your wedding vendors. You're going into a financial arrangement with them, but also they're providing a service and the service should be something that you both agree on. And I think sometimes people agree because they feel obliged to agree on entering into this contract with someone because they don't want to hurt their feelings or they seem nice on the day, but they didn't quite like their stuff. So I think it's always really important to remember and take a step back and try and check your heart in at the front desk and say, I'm going to go into this with obviously a perspective of of, of respecting what that person, that vendor will provide you, but also remember that you want to be on the same page. And like Sarah said, they want to be on the same page with you too. If it doesn't gel, it makes their job a lot harder. And if they don't feel the vibe with you or you're playing hard to get with what you really want and not being clear, it can really turn out to be an unpleasant business transaction. And you don't want that to happen. There are too many stories and too many emails that I get where people are not communicating well with the vendors that they've chosen and are getting into strife and it's becoming a hassle. You don't want this experience, we don't want this experience to be that of something that you dread when you check your emails. It's really important that that doesn't happen. We only want nice things in the inbox. We only want things that make us feel good, like funny gifs or gifs depending on how you say it. On to my next little mini interview I'd like to share with you. This one I really enjoyed. It is with the wonderful Harriet Parry. Now, Harriet Parry is a very, oh, she's a sassy broad. I met her at the Etsy Wedding Fair in London. She's a florist who also makes some quite exquisite fake flower crowns as well as fresh flower crowns but you can't you can't sell those on ebay because they don't ship very well but she does make um some wonderful flower crowns and sells them on ebay you can check out her etsy store her etsy name is harriet parry flowers as always i will be um writing up a show blog with all these links but they are so fun and gorgeous if you're looking for something dare i say a little eccentric and out there to put on your head 
in your hair for your wedding day, this is the page to visit. I I love them. I honestly would wear this stuff around all the time. Really beautiful. But on the day that I interviewed Harriet, she was running some gorgeous little workshops about how to make a floral crown. Now, in the interview, we say it a few times, she's not encouraging you to go out and make your own wedding crown. Because to be honest, unless you are really good at craft and you've really got the time on your hands to do this on your wedding day no one has that time don't do it it's probably not worth it but it is a lovely it's a lovely opportunity for me I will say to sit down and watch a florist at work and see her wonderful nimble fingers working all of that wire and covering the stems in the beautiful green tape stuff that she used. It was a really great experience for me to see the actual craft and art and skills behind actually putting these together. So Harriet does reveal some quite good tips about making a flower, a flower crown and choosing the right sort of floral crown if you are having that or flowers in your hair as well. Some really handy tips about how to keep the flowers fresh. But she also, as you'll hear, she's making things as she's talking to me. So sometimes she sort of talks about about wrapping something up. That's what she's doing. We, we were we were actually working as we were talking. So if you think it goes off onto a weird tangent, don't worry, it gets back on track. <laughs> I wasn't that, I'm going to be honest, I'm really crafty. I love working with my hands. That's what she said. But the thing is, I I get a bit cocky when I go into these things and think I'm going to be instantly really good at stuff. And um, Harriet was really good at things to do with flowers. I was probably, I'm still on my L plates. I'm still a learner. So you might hear me have a bit of sweezies at my lack of skills. Here it is. I'm uh, Harriet Parry. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing, um, working with Etsy today doing uh, flower headdress, headdresses, flower fascinators for your hair. Now, Harry, so w- w- how did you start doing this? You're a florist. Yeah, I've been a florist for about four years. So, um, yeah, I've always been. I've, I've been doing flower headdress workshops for the last couple of years, so it's, uh, it's good fun. But everybody loves a good uh, flower crown or a flower fascinator. They are so, so unbrand at the moment. <laughs> yeah, so in vogue. <laughs> Now let's let's talk about the flower headdress because as yeah, it is on trend, a lot of people think they can just whack one together on the day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it takes quite a lot of work. I know. It's because you have to wire all the flowers individually, and then every flower is a different wiring technique, and then you have to um, yeah put it all together. And uh, yeah, it's it's a long. T- it will take a long time. I don't think I'd want to be a bride in the morning and then suddenly think, oh, I'll just make my own flower crown. <laughs> Just pop one together and then have a full mental breakdown. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's what would happen. So, <laughs> so what? How do we? I've seen some floral crowns that are huge on a tiny head. So I think, and that's that makes me sound like a total ass. Going, you got a tiny head and you've got a huge floral crown, but it can look a bit out of proportion. How do we choose? I think you've just got to go with what feels right. Because I think some people like the OTT look, and then other people might just want a couple of flowers just wired up, just sort of delicately pinched and it, it it depends on the type of flower that you use like you can use lots of small heads like flower heads and or lots of big sort of statement ones or a mix of both so yeah I think you've just got to go with go with your style I love seeing how many uh, different projects and what people are using live flowers for now you know the you know sexing up a plain cake popping it on your head obviously the guys who always sort of wore the 
Do you say a boutonniere? <laughs> what do you say? I just say buttonhole. Just a buttonhole. <laughs> yeah. Here's me trying to be posh. She's like, no, I just say a buttonhole. Um, but it is that thing of, it is that thing of, you know, you can add so, you can add so much colour and nothing. You can just have leaves, just have foliage, any kind of flowers. You don't need a Kim Kardashian Kanye West wall of flowers, do you? No. That made me a bit angry. No, loads of people now are just using, using uh, just really simple stuff, like just loads of green. Yes. Yeah. But you can go and... Like, steal it from the neighbours. <laughs> yeah, steal from your neighbour's garden. Yeah. yeah, good. I mean, we're not saying do that, but do. Have a crack. So you just want to simply twist, squeeze, twist, squeeze, and then bring it all the way down. Well, not all the way. You can leave a little bit of wire. And then you just simply rip it off. Ooh. You made that look very easy. Yeah. Oops. So then you've got a very neat, very cute, very cute little one. Like a little tree. Yeah, a little bit of broccoli. <laughs> vegetables. They, that's something we could all... Yeah, you can wire vegetables. I have done a vegetable uh, headdress before. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. yeah, what was on it? Um, what did we have? Yeah, we did do broccoli. Did broccoli and we did... Not cooked. No, it was all uh, it was all raw, and there was like fit. We did a fish one, and what else did we do? That sounds a bit gross. It was, but, but yeah, that was that was fun. Um, and then we're going to attach them onto a wire base that we've made, just a, and then we're going to have them pinned in pinned into your barnet, pinned into your head. So if you're going to do this for your wedding day, I'm so I'm sort of figuring you must have a couple of practice runs for this. Oh, yeah, definitely do some practice runs. Sit in the garden. Have a gin and tonic, and uh, <laughs> could you do this if we're going to do this beforehand? Yeah, have, well, have a gin and tonic just to steady, and then, but not too many. And if we're doing this beforehand, when can we do it days before? I'd probably do it in the morning, like with the buttonholes. You do because you, the, the flowers aren't going to be in water. Um, but if you choose certain flowers, you probably you could do it that evening. Spritz it with water and put it in the fridge. Fridge. Okay, good plan. Um, but yeah, I'd probably do it in the morning. It just means your flowers will last longer out of water because they all need water. <laughs> they all do. It's part of life. Now, please remember, if you are a panicky person, if you are someone that has a strict deadline, just pay a florist. Yeah, just pay a florist. For the love of God, this is a fun <laughs> little activity. That, you don't want that stress in the morning. No. You want to be having your makeup done, having your hair done, relaxing. You don't want to be getting sticky hands from the flower, floristry no, tape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You crack the sheets and you go, I'm not even going to have a floral crown. Bugger it. I'll just have nothing. Yeah. 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 Pick your battles. Probably don't make your flower crown. That's the message I got from Harriet. I really loved talking to her. She's such a funny gal and um, so stylish. Just Google her. She's amazing. Really. I was jealous of her amazing style. I just wanted to own her clothes and have her amazing red hair. Thursday's episode of the Save the Date Wedding Podcast, the Q&A episode, will continue the theme of flowers. I'm going to be answering some questions. I have a couple of questions about purchasing flowers from supermarkets, which I think is a fantastic idea if you pick the right flowers and you pick the right supermarkets. So I'm looking forward to answering your listener questions and also talking a little about a bit about alternative flower arrangements, alternatives for what you can use for centerpieces. Some people call them living centerpieces i don't know if I, I i mean i'm not going to encourage you going out and buying fish and all that stuff i think that's awful people have goldfish in the middle of their their tables these are things imagine if we had humans in bowls in the middle of tables for giants 
that's freaky. Don't do that. No, what I'm talking about is alternative flower arrangements, alternative centerpiece arrangements, things that you can probably get away with being a little bit more creative and also saving you some precious coins. Until Thursday, I bid you adieu. Remember, if you have a question, please email me, savethedatepodcast.com. I welcome them with open arms, open email arms, if that's a thing. And until Thursday, happy days. Save the Date Wedding Podcast. Don't plan your wedding without it.